Hello and welcome to the Sean L. Show, intimate conversations about music, sex, and life in New York City. My guest today is a drag icon from RuPaul's Drag Race Seasons 9, 10, and All-Star Season 6, and the award-winning HBO show, We're Here. It is the elephant queen, Eureka O'Hara. Welcome to the show, Eureka! Thank you so much, Sean. Insert elephant noise, pachyderm, stampede here. Boom. <laughs> um, so excited to see you again. I just saw you last night. It's so crazy. I can't believe it. it's so funny. I didn't, my, my friend nudged me. It was like, Eureka's here. And he didn't know that you were going to be on the podcast today. I don't uh-huh. tell and I have really special guests on the podcast because I feel like I'm going to jinx it. And I, I like nudged him back. I was like, Eureka's on my show tomorrow. I have to go say hi. So I know. When you came so up and said hi, it was such a blessing. My drag daughter dragged me out to Brooklyn. She was like, you have to see the Brooklyn scene. And yeah. honestly, it was such a great experience. You know, um, Ginger Von Snap is her name. And she's been doing these shows um, over there called Trans Enough. Uh, which I'm actually going to be at one November 3rd, um, randomly coming up soon, uh, I decided to do her show. So I'm going to perform at that venue on November 3rd, which is kind of cool. So you better come out and see me. We will come. We will definitely come out and see you for sure. That's really exciting. Yeah, it was the night of a thousand Beyonce's last night, and those queens turned it out. Turned it out, honey. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes. I definitely don't have enough melanin in my skin to be up there, but I wish I could. And I was in my mind on that dance floor, honey. Yeah. And they were all accepting and loving and the crowd was amazing. It yeah. was an experience. It was a it was it was the queerest Beyonce concert I've ever been to. It was as much fun as being at a Beyonce concert. Like it was the same level of fun. Oh. It was the same level of singing along. It was the same yeah. level of us fangirling over the queer entertainment. It was just, it was a moment. It was the vibe. Yes. And I, I shared, we were just chatting before, I shared that I'm slightly hungover from all the, the festivations that I was having. But you were saying you're sober now and you've reached like a really great point in your sobriety where like social settings are not you know, triggering it all. Triggering. Yeah. I, I am very lucky because, you know, at first when I, so I've been sober for over eight months Mm -hmm. now. And, um, at first I was a little worried about going into nightlife because of all the drinking, you know, but I just, I think where I'm at a happier place, realizing that for me, drinking is not it. Like me on alcohol is not the person that the world deserves or that I deserve. And so, and not, that's not everyone, you know, that just happens to be the way my chemicals and biology works. So I have learned to be very comfortable in these social atmospheres without partying like that. And I kind of get high off the energy of people and, and the love and, and it's interesting how like the vibrations of others and the experience can really take you where you need to be. Yeah. Um, and help you release from the day and those emotions. Like I I get higher in that way in a pleasant feeling way 
than I ever did like using. It's so weird, but I love it so much. And just communicating with people and I actually am able to remember people's names and I am actually like able to communicate like us meeting last night. Girl, if this was a year ago, I wouldn't even know what your face looked like today. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's it's really a growth blessing for me, for yeah. sure. I I find I love to listen and hear about people's experiences with sobriety because I sometimes like flirt with the idea of of quitting drinking. I don't know. I think that I don't know if it's still serving me, but I resist because I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know. Something's holding me back still. But I hear you. I totally hear you. So I like. Well, to- I think there. I think my advice, honestly. And, and this is what I've been saying at my gigs. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm not here to tell you how to release, um, how you need to release the anxieties and the pressures that life puts on all of us. That is up to the individual. But when that release becomes a problem and it starts dictating your existence and it starts creating and manifesting control over your life is when you have a problem and there is no shame in this world or with your friends or with your family to ask for help and to get help and to be helped. So I think if you're not at that level, stop fucking freaking yourselves out, girls. Just relax, have a good time, take care of yourselves safely. But if you get to that point where emotionally it takes you to that dark place because it can happen to any one of us. It is a disease. I truly believe it. I've learned about it now that I've been to rehab and things. And I just say, if you feel like you're getting to that point, it's the same thing like suicide prevention. You know, it's, yeah. I think we can start working on um, alcoholics prevention and drug addicts prevention. It's if you feel like you're getting to that point, speak up and talk to your friends and start having conversations about it. Versus feeling shameful for it. Like, yeah. you, no one's going to be like, oh, you're not cool because you're not doing blow in the bathroom with me, bro. Yeah. They're going to be like, yay, more for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I promise you, they're not going to be like, oh, we're not friends anymore because you're not doing a rail of ketamine off the back of the toilet. They're going to be like, I'm going to Mario World and you're going to make it to your appointment on time tomorrow. Right. You know, it's it's not changing. You know what I mean? It's all dependent on what your existence and what your life has set for you and what you can handle, you know, just, just be careful and be safe and, and test the products that you're using. And because the truth is, is we live in a generation girl, I'm just going to be real about it. We live in a generation where the kids use, the kids have fun. And if, if, if they're, if we don't talk about it, then there's no safety precautions. We have people dying. You know, I'm I I'm trying, I want to destigmatize as a sober person now. I want to destigmatize the fear of talking about the reality of nightlife experiences. Yeah. We should we should be able to talk about it without people being like, oh, I'm paranoid if I talk about it, people are gonna think that. Well, if you're paranoid that people are going to think that you're doing it, it's probably because you are. <laughs> right. And 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 there's no shame in it. Like, let's take the shame away. If yeah. you're not affecting others, you're not hurting yourself, and you're not, you know, um, inflicting on your existence and doing anything, obviously, too illegal. I mean, I like to bend the rules a little because I think that when it comes to certain things, you know, live a little. Girl, I'm not saying... Mm, 
I don't know what I'm allowed to say in that sense, but bitch, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll, yeah. I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make the stallion in this moment and say fuck them. Her, 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 her. She, 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 she. <laughs> no, For absolutely. Sure. absolutely. Yeah. I I think I'm sometimes naive about drug use in our community because I had a lot of just um, I had a lot of addiction in my family. So I. I drink, but I don't do any drugs because I'm I am afraid of them. Um, so I always am like sort of that makes sense. Yeah, I'm always sort of like a little bit naive about it and a little bit like surprised. I was in Fire Island this summer, yeah. and I was in I was at a party, and these it was in the daytime. <laughs> these boys started talking about oh. a Calvin Klein, and I was like, "What's a Calvin Klein?" And it was like a bump of ketamine. And a bump of coke, and I we were by a pool. I was like, somebody drowned. <laughs> I was so. Pissed. Oh my god! I thought I fully thought you were talking about underwear. See, we're all on different pages, bitch. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like Stop. You, talk about, you talk about the kids. Like, I think it's just it's wild. These these boys were younger than me, and I was like, oh my god, please don't drown on my watch. I can't save you. I don't. I don't know. Exactly. You know, and you know, but at the same time, I think it's like you know. You only live once, but please take care of that life. Yeah. But however you decide to have fun and explore, I've I've been through some exploration. I cannot sit here today and be like, oh, I've never done a drug. I've never drank. I've done because that would be a lie. And I'm not a liar. Eureka may be a lot of things, but the bitch ain't a liar. Right. Okay. But what she is today is she's healthy and she knows better and she's doing better. You know, I and I I hope more people can get to where I am today, but I wouldn't have gotten to where I am today without a little trial and error. So I don't know what I'm promoting at this point. I'm not sure. (laughs) Take that as as you want with a grain of salt, but, um, you know, do do what's necessary for you in the moment, but always be safe. Be only, only allow yourself to put yourself in positions where you trust the people around you. You know, it's, it's really just that's and I and I want to start having these conversations and I love that you talk about nightlife stuff and you talk about dating and uh, New York life and stuff like that because it is a reality that no one wants to talk about and it's so shamed in and I think it comes from and I hate to say it heteronormative culture that like hiding anything that it's same thing as talking about like don't say gay. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. don't talk about it. We don't talk about it, but it's still there. Right. But we can't talk about it. But it's we all know it's happening, but we can't talk about it. Why? Right. We all see how that happened with everything else that we've ever done that with. Yeah. Racism, homophobia, you know, and now we're talking about addiction. Let's talk about it so that, because I think the more we talk about it, the less addiction is going to be a thing and the more people can educate themselves on the fact that addiction is a disease and it's a it's a mental disease and there is a formula for literally the way the disease is compounded there is a formula for addiction that is the same thing for cancer or any other disease that people need to start taking very seriously and it can happen like bipolar or depression or anxiety and it's it's all on a case by case basis. So you never know if you can fall into that sickness or not, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. I love I love everything you just said. I so appreciate you sharing those those things. I also wanna know, pivoting here, um, yeah. our 
your question for this podcast is um, what are you listening to? What is the music okay, that's okay, okay. getting you off right now that you're loving? It's in your headphones. Um, honestly, Nokia, Harley Quinn, um, Ash Nico, Meg the Stallion, Cardi B, a little bit of Adele here and there. Also, my oldies. I'm always obsessed with Whitney. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can listen to her anytime, any day. I can listen to Adele's, any song of Adele. You know, um, Throw Me In, Jessie J is, like, iconic. She yes. is so underrated, but is honestly probably my favorite artist of all time. And if I could meet Jessie J and just kiss her pinky, my life would be complete. Why do you think Jessie J is underrated? Like, do you think it's just industry politics and, the, and she hasn't been given certain opportunities because of just different industry things or do you think I know she has some health um health struggles as well like why why has she not been mass just massive I think she has the potential to be as big as she wants to be and for some reason in my spirit I just think Jesse J is like I'm that bitch that knows I have that voice and I sing because it was a gift for me. And I have a feeling that she puts herself and her health first. Yeah. And I think she has a team that does the same thing. And she, I I hope, anyway, in my dream world, that's why we don't have as much Jesse J as we deserve. Yeah. Because she's deciding, you know what? I'm going to do what I, I can and need to do so I can still be there for my fans, but not push myself to the brink of insanity. Yeah, I or love discomfort. Yeah, that's true, and good for her. I, I like hope that's the truth too. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Deborah Cox is similarly underrated outside of like gay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> really, really good. I you know, like she's the first one to be at a gay pride function, but. Yeah. And there were people when COVID hit, they were like, someone save Deborah Cox. Like, start to go oh, yeah. <laughs> they were like, Deborah Cox, what are we going to do? <laughs> are you okay, sister? Do you, are your bills paid? I love that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I love Deborah Cox. The um, gay's always looking out. Yeah. You have a new bop coming out soon. Your publicist mm -hmm. shared it with me, so I got a sneak peek. It's phenomenal. I love the video. Do you want to give people a little bit of info, a little inside tea on that that's coming soon? It's called Mama. So, it's Big Mama. It's actually Big Mama, if you're nasty. Uh, M-A-W-M-A-W, -A -W, I think. No, minus the last W. M-A-W-M-A. <laughs> You know, you got to say mama with a little sass. Oh, so it's mama. like big mama. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just about my existence and where it comes from. You know, my mother and my grandmother are the only two tattoos that I have on my arms. Love my that. mother's on my right arm. Her name is Ulrika, which is where I get Eureka from. She passed away a couple years ago. My grandmother's name is Jana. She's on my left arm. Uh, she was a big titty Irish woman with freckles. So, so now I have a big titty elephant queen freckled tattoo of her with her name. And my mom loved unicorns and dragons. So she is a dragon Pegasus with her name on my right arm. So I, love that. I always have my two big mamas with me. And they inspired me to work with Katie Caden and Sarah Potenza from The Voice and America's Got Talent. Yeah. Katie Caden should have won her year on The Voice. 
Uh, but I think because of politics and fat phobia, she didn't. That's my true belief. Um, but she's always going to be that winner to me. She has one of the most incredible voices I've ever heard. Sarah Potenza has one of the biggest drives and hearts. Same thing. She made top seven at The Voice. Fat Phobia, I think, got in her way. Same thing with Mary Scott Talent. But these artists I have invited on this track to create a track called Big Mama that expresses what the inner energy of a big mama spirit is and that's just somebody who loves unconditionally and it can be anybody it doesn't have to be a big woman but i just happen to be inspired by big women so for me that's where that energy comes from but for some people it can be an uncle cousin someone that's not related chosen family anything in between so what we did is we created a body positive allyship queer loving song about the love energy that we've had to create for ourselves and that lives within us to help us survive and it's that big mama spirit and when you hear this song you're going to feel the emotion from all three of us and you're going to live through it and we're doing a premiere um, so we're actually doing a preview release of the video and song in los angeles at what in West Hollywood at Heart WeHo on November 19th, Ooh. where we're going to be doing a, a show, a red carpet event with Katie Kadem, myself, Sarah Potenza, singing live, performing. Uh, Sasha Colby's going to be there because um, there's a lot of trans representation happening in this video. I'm not going to release too much information because you have to watch it to find out the tea. But I am definitely blossoming into the flower that I needed to become this year. And this is like my first step in doing so. It's introducing like my big mama spirit from inside my heart to the world. Um, So November 19th, Heart We Ho, you'll get to see the video on November 19th. And it doesn't come out until December 6th. So if you come to the event, you will literally get like premiere access like two and a half weeks before it even comes out um, for the world to see. And it's it's uh-huh. it's gonna be jaw dropping, hopefully heart wrenching and spirit lifting. Yeah, I think people are really gonna. I think people are really gonna love it. It's absolutely a bop. I thank just, you. You're so welcome, love. I just saw on Instagram that you were just in Vietnam. Like you just got home from Vietnam. Can you talk? Oh, girl, I came straight to New York from Vietnam, bitch. I had one day at home to like unpack, repack, come to New York for press week this week. And um, it was amazing. So I work with a nonprofit called Influence the World. We're based out of LA. Um, My soulmate, Murray Swamby, um, and Joe Adams, an immigration lawyer, and Corey Lee, a healer, are the four founders of this organization. Um, And our goal is to give back to underprivileged children around the world because we know what it's like not to have families. So we go into these places and we provide supplies um, and toys and fun and experiences for orphans in these areas. And we, we, you know, so Vietnam, we went to six different orphanages, took thousands of pounds of rice and cream and cooking oil and cleaning supplies and all kinds of stuff for the amazing women that actually um, take care of like these kids, which are normally like 10 to 20 kids per one woman who have not given birth to a single one of those children. Like these strongest, most amazing women. When I tell you, these are the people that really take care of themselves, but they need help. And the U S dollar goes a long way there. 
So um, we we are able to get like a thousand pounds of rice for like 500 bucks. You know what I mean? And so that's a lot of food. So we were able to get like six months of supplies for at least six different orphanages. But then also we bought toys and clothes so that all of our influencers, our motto is whether you have five followers or five million, you influence somebody. So we document it on social media to let people have that experience with us. And we play with the kids and have those shared experiences, you know, just it's like having, you know, a a play date with a bunch of orphans and getting to come in and play with toys. And so we experience a lot while we're there. It's very, it's a lot for even the influencers. You know, it's very emotional, but it's so rewarding too. You know, I have to say our bus rides in between stops are very emotional. It's between laughter and crying and talking about our own traumatized queer selves being pushed out of our own homes. We've got people from, um, that were on this trip from Palestine, from Iran, um, from other parts of the world, the Ukraine, that had to come to America just to be themselves, you know? Yeah. So we, and, you know, and then some of them were even, were even pushed into sex work, which is very um, negatively banned and shadow banned kind of by the community. So they have even more emotional trauma and they just want to be able to give back to the world. So what we're doing is we're providing an organization where if you have an influence and you have the energy and the power that you want to give back and you want to help us raise money and you want to be a part of something that's creating change for underprivileged children in this world, come help us out. Um, donate, be a part of it, travel. We're not here to judge. We're not your stereotypical corporate nonprofit organization. None of us make any money off of this. There is no overhead. Everything that we make is literally put into us getting there, buying supplies, and we physically, literally sweat, tears, blood. I got hit in the face by a soccer ball playing I soccer saw- with one of the orphans. Yes. Literally I, it was broke, Oh, my God. <laughs> broke my favorite prayer glasses. Yeah. And you know what? I took that soccer ball to the face, bitch. Yes. Because it was, it was fucking worth it. It I, was worth it. I love it. That's that's beautiful. So it's called Influence the World. So if anyone wants to donate, I'll put a link as well uh, in the show notes. Thank you. Um, so I do have a campaign on my Instagram page. I'm trying to get to 10000 to raise because we spent quite a bit in Vietnam and we're wanting to go to Africa next, hopefully, um, to give back to some of the communities. Hopefully going to partner with um, Charlize Theron's African Foundation, if I can, because I love her and adore her. And um, they work with a lot of the AIDS um, epidemic issues going on there with children and things. So I think that's our next big goal. Um, We do have a gala happening on the 25th of this month, actually. Um, I'm literally hosting this event, and I can't remember where it's at. That's how much I'm all over the place. I'm Googling it. That's so funny. Influence World Gala. It's the 25th. It's at... Hollywood Roosevelt. It is at the Hollywood Roosevelt. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank God the investigator, Miss Sean, was on it. Um, So, the Hollywood Roosevelt on the 25th. I think we're going to start seating around 7 p.m. Big Mama, Eureka O'Hara will be in full drag hosting the evening. So, we are going to be having some dinner and music and some 
videos and conversations and just try to raise some money uh, for some upcoming trips and just share some of our experiences. That's gorgeous. Are you based in LA um, when you... I, so I have a, a place in LA and I, and I just got a house in Vegas. Ah. So I'm kind of bilingual. I think I'm yeah. in like the suburbs of LA when I say Vegas, <laughs> LOL. And then I have my little work spot in LA. I'm an LA girl through Thanks. and through, Thanks. but I do have a little home spot in Vegas because I needed a big house space yeah. just to like spread my like old school home girl uh southern roots in a big house and have that family space too yeah so i'm i'm kind of in both places so i would definitely say i'm an la girl but i have a home in vegas as well yeah and in speaking of vegas you're going into the rupaul show there in december right so in December, I will be every open night at the Flamingo in December. I will be performing. Um, they at World of Wonder and VH1 were so amazing to me during my sobriety um, treatment this past year when I was supposed to be there. So I was like, you know what? My Christmas gift to you all is I'm going to come do the entire month of December when most girls are busy and doing family stuff um, just so you all can get the full fresh and ready eureka that you deserve i love that i love that i thank want thank you sean i want to talk as well about um we're here i love this show it's coming back for a third season and i was lucky to have um bob here last season as well and what i want to no, is like just talk to me about like what the experience is like making that show. I have so many questions. Yeah. I know so much. Is it ever like is it triggering emotionally as you're helping the contributors? Because it deals with so many queer issues that we all experience. And so I wonder like what is it like? What does it feel like doing that show? Because it's so heart happy, but it also is very it's it's heavy as well. It's constant growing pains for all three of us hosts. I think that's why, you know, I don't think that me, Bob, and Shangela are, and, and, and this is not even me just being pretentious or me being like showboaty. I don't think that people understand the work that me, Bob, and Shangela put into as hosts that no other host on any other television series does like we do. We are life coaches. We are family members. We are friends to these people that we work with. We blood, sweat, and tear into these performances, into these stories. We create full performances, experiences, and everything. And I just hope that like award systems like the Emmys and things like that recognize us as real hosts this year um, after this season because we all have grown so much from these experiences, working with these kids, working with these young adults, honestly, and children yeah. um, through their queer experiences, through their ally experiences, whatever the case may be, in these smaller towns where um, a lot of what we say traditional family values hinder their equality and their acceptance of themselves, that a lot of queer people fear that they suffer through um, not being able to express themselves, which causes a lot of um, mental illness and causes a lot of issues as you progress to become your adult self. And um, it's just incredible to see how we've evolved and the show has evolved 
you know, it's like each season we're a little more different. I think me the most, I've probably grown the most from doing this show. Cause like the more I give of myself to other people, the more I get in return and the more I learn and understand about who I am. And, you know, last year when I decided to become sober, I learned who I really was. And this year we're going to take you on a journey on we're here where you get to discover who um, Eureka and Dee really are um, internally too. So I'm so blessed that I get to share that with everyone on this platform as well. And we go um, deep diving into a lot of really important political conversations like um, Florida issues with Don't Say Gay Bill, Texas rights with drag brunches. We've got Utah with uh, Mormon culture. There's a lot happening in this season that you do not want to miss, not only to educate yourself, but because it's spicy, fierce, and also a little cunty because, you know, drag has to come in and spice it up a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to your point, I think that all the work that you guys are doing on that show does come through. I think that's why it's here for a third season. I think it's why people love it so much. And Thank you're not you. just charged with, you know, life coaching the contributors, but you guys are really in the thick of it with their families, with yeah. you know, every aspect of their life. And sometimes that's not um, a positive aspect of the life of their life. And you guys are really good at ushering in like important conversations. They are very delicate and, you know, you don't shy away from it. And that's so hard. And I just, I love watching that. I love watching that. Thank show. you. Yeah. You know, we're blessed to be invited into these people's lives for a moment. And, um, luckily we are surrounded by such positive energy with the people that we work with that we're able to leave a little bit of a positive stain in their lives so that that can hopefully help build and help them heal after. You know, we're not here to fix anything. We're just here to help. If we can add to, that's our only goal. We just don't want to take away from, and we're not here to replace. We're just here to add to and help you heal. I love that. I want to ask you, Drag Race, how did you decide to go back for All-Stars? So I just want to say this. Drag Race is incredible. I have so much love and admiration for that does that show. I think I'm lazy because I I watch that show and I'm like, that is so much work. And I think when you were invited for All-Stars, I was like, if I had We're Here, I wouldn't also do All-Stars. Like, you are a hard-working queen, because it looks so much work creatively, physically, emotionally. Um, I was like, go off, Eureka, do All-Stars at the same time as We're Here. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I have to say, I did All-Stars 6 because I felt like I needed to do All-Stars before I didn't get a chance to. Um, I wanted to make sure that I gave back to that franchise one more time because of everything that Drag Race has given to me. I was like, I've got one more run in me to do All-Stars and I need to do it now just in case I end up too busy. Mm -hmm. You know, I will never, ever, ever be too good for Drag Race because without it, I would not be the person I am today. Queer culture would not be the queer culture that is today. But... I might end up too busy to do All-Stars in the future. So I had to get in there when I could fit in. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? 
I was at home. It saved, it honestly saved my life doing it because I was broke. I had nothing to do. I was able to work, be around other queer people, make a little money, get creative and keep myself busy at my fattest ever because I was carrying all that COVID weight and all that COVID emotion. And it really took care of me, you know, and, and I have to say that about drag race, you know, through different phases of my life, everything I've been through, some of the darkest times I was coddled and I was held up by RuPaul and her franchise. And I think a lot of us have been, and um, I hope people respect it for what it, what it deserves. Cause, cause without RuPaul's drag race, we wouldn't be where we are today as a queer culture. Yeah, no, I think that that's definitely true. I think it's pushed the the culture forward in in a, a huge ways. I don't think we would have we're here without Drag Race. So oh, I agree, and so does everyone else that we're here, and we're just so excited when we get to see um, World of Wonder and VH1 and things celebrating our show and being so willing and open to celebrate it. It just means that we're all in this together, you know, yep. and that's what I love the most. They were cheering. Me and Bob and Shangela got to announce at the Creative Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys the whole way. I uh, love seeing you guys. Thank you. Uh, um, honestly, Bob and Shangela are so easy to work against because they always show up and turn out. So I'm like, I better show up and turn out. So I think that's just how we work. Yeah. So thank you. I did feel like we were all turning it because we always do. Yeah. Um, we really billow off of each other in that way but um all of world of wonder was there all of vh1 all of hbo and everyone was just cheering for everyone when it was drag race up there if it was queer eye if it was um us if it was you know um yellow jackets if it was any queer content we were all just cheering for each other lizzo's big girls it was just a moment of like we just want to be there to support people that are creating change that's positive for the world you know yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's that time, bitch. It is. I love it. I love how the world, it's so funny because I feel like the world is moving in such a positive direction of acceptance and diversity and just all over the place. But it's so funny because at the same time, we see such like a, like on the opposite spectrum, we see like <coughs> to that positivity. Like even, even that rapper well, that I, I don't want to say. Take, we easily say world. I want to interrupt you. We easily say world, but it's not yeah. world, sadly. I, I, it is America. America is growing and progressing. And I think that America has been an example of what not to do for so long. That if we continue this progression, we might actually be able to be the example of what's right to do finally. Yeah. If we can continue this progression for the rest of the world to follow lead because the rest of the world hasn't caught up with us when it comes to equal rights, when it comes to mandated law, when it comes to gender laws, when it comes to queerness, et cetera. But if we can get on the right side of it, America might actually be able to make it a positive impact on the entire world that has always wanted to and make up for some of the negative connotations that we have created, but whether it was colonization, you know, whether it was, racism, whether it was warism, whether it was whatever the case may be. Maybe we can make that red, white, and blue really stand for something more. Yeah, that would be incredible. I feel like there's such a pull in the opposite direction. Like as as much as we go forward, there's like a opposite force like trying to pull us back always. So it's so interesting to watch. Oh, like there's always Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like a scary, it's an exciting time, it's a nice time, and then it's like also a scary time. So it's just, it's interesting to be, I guess, alive <laughs> this time. Well, one day, one day we're like, okay, we got this, and the next day they're taking away that. But there's yep. always going to be opposition. Yeah. And, um, you know, the late Martin Luther King Jr. said that with progress comes conflict. Yeah. And you can't have one without the other. And um, what an amazing statement he made and what an amazing presence he still has. So I live by that, too. Absolutely. You yeah. are. You are so young still and have achieved so much. What is on your career bucket list? What do you want to cross off? I want to be an actor. I want to do more in the acting world. My dream is to be the queer trans version of Chris Farley um, that the world needs. And um, I think it's time. You know, I want to play Divine in a biopic, um, which is really playing Glenn Milstead, um, yeah. the alter ego, so that people can learn the history of where that type of shock drag really came from. Yeah. Um, and I want to write a book called Custom Made, but I keep customizing myself that I can't really release it until I'm fully ready to release who I'm going to customize myself as before I can start teaching other people. Um, and I just want to keep creating art and spreading love and doing what I do, bitch, hugging people, you know, yep. any chance I get. I and hopefully it. they hug me back. I'm so excited for that biopic. I hope that that is able to come to fruition because I think that would be fucking epic. Would you ever do, I was listening to, before this podcast, I was doing like my mm -hmm. on you and I listened to an old podcast with Nicole Byer, like pre-COVID times. I and love Nicole. I love Nicole so much. You were on and you said that SNL was on your, and you mentioned Chris Farley is, would you ever be on SNL? Is that still on your bucket list or do you oh, think? Oh, it's, it's on my bucket list. Yeah. I just, you know, I wished on it and wished on it and wished on it. And it took RuPaul 50 years to get on SNL. So I respectfully decided, let me start on my passion projects. And yep. then SNL will come when it's supposed to happen for me. Yeah. You know, SNL will be that moment where it's like, this is that celebration of, of my success and my comedy career and my acting career where I get to be like, Here's a tip to you, Chris, who taught me how to love myself as a little chubby blonde kid, um, even before I knew what queer was. And being too loud and too much was okay because you made me laugh and everyone in my house laugh. And um, yeah, you taught me how to survive because through humor, I was able to not only like keep myself alive um, and laughing at the trauma, but I was also able to like slide through some of the bullies by making them laugh and being the cool kid in class by being funny and cool. So yeah, I have a lot to repay yeah. um, those icons that taught me all those things. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's my goal. I, my goals are to repay everything I've earned in my life. I think I know you're going to do it. I believe you. Um, okay, if, cool. If you were on SNL, you could be the next uh, flame of Pete Davidson, maybe. I'm down for it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> also, did you watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? No. Oh, my God. The movie's so crazy. Oh. It's the one that Pete Davidson's in, and he, yeah. like, gets killed in it. It's so random. His character is honestly shit. He's so weird how he plays the most shittiest characters. Yeah. For some reason, I'm like, but he's just too funny for these shitty characters. But 
at the end of the day, the movie was a mind fuck and it's fully worth a watch. Okay, I'll give it a watch. Yeah, you should check it out. It was interesting. Yeah. It really opens your eyes up to our perception and social media and how we connect with people. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of dating, what is what's your dating life like right now post COVID? We're all out here. Um, dating, dating, dating. I don't really date. I I you know, I want to be treated like a woman. I want to be treated with respect and I want to be taken out on a date. And people just don't know how to be chivalrous anymore. So I am waiting on my knight in shining armor to um, be respectfully mine. And until then, I will keep this little flower blooming and fresh and beautiful for uh, that right one. Yeah. Are, do you do uh-huh. the apps at all? Do you do the apps in the in the I inter- do the apps a little bit, but it's a little weird for me. Like yeah. I can't have sex with a fan. As right. a, as a sex assault survivor, I just feel so you know, I feel like if, if there's a position of power that I'm holding, I get very uncomfortable. Right. So um the apps are weird for me. So as soon as I know that you like love me as an entertainer or a drag queen. I distance myself because I would never want that to influence um, our connection because I understand how power shifts can happen and because I am a survivor. Um, So it's normally like random, uh, like rough trade in the middle of nowhere that's like into like TSCD non-binary creatures that just come pound me out and like leave me laying there like the woman I deserve to be. Yes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Is your sex life different at all after COVID? I wonder. Like, I'm, I'm so, I feel like mine is. So that's why I'm so yeah. to like hear from other people. Like, is sex different for you after COVID or like the way that you seek it out or the amount you seek it out? Oh, yeah. I'm nowhere nearly as much of a hoe. I'm so much more careful. I'm like, you know, I don't just give my whole to anybody anymore. You know, I respect myself a lot better. It's weird. It's, you know, there's something about like noticing that life is so delicate that it makes you take care of yourself in all those aspects. And also for me, through my battle of addiction, I learned that some of that trauma was sexual trauma. So I've been able to kind of like process through that. So my sexual experiences now are no longer uh, based around my trauma experiences, but they're actually happening in real life moments. So I feel like at my age now, I'm finally having um, genuine um, equal leveled sex for the first time. Mm -hmm. So it's still kind of new for me. So I'm kind of discovering where I sat with it all, to be honest. So I don't have a lot of stories to tell. Yeah, yeah, that's so that's so interesting. I feel similarly that I'm not as much of a hoe as I was before COVID. And I think that's okay, but I just have to accept that that's okay. Because sometimes I'm like, what? where's my hoe? Like, where, why? Yeah, <laughs> why am I it's absolutely doing? okay. You know, yeah. it's like before we were like, well, and it just shows that we learned through through every dark moment, you do learn something. And I think what we learned through the pandemic was how to count our blessings and our own self-worth without seeking validation from other people and other things. Yeah. And I think in the queer community, it's very quick for us to seek for validation in those sexual experiences. And we were able to survive, not only survive without it, but thrive without it. So now... We're like, oh, our bodies are temples again. 
Yeah. And our bodies deserve respect and love again. And we deserve love again. It's It's been a healing journey, you know, as much death and carnage came with it. A lot of healing came with it too. So I want to wrap up here. So I, I, you shared your, your beautiful tattoos with me that are in honor of your mom and your grandma. I lost my mom this year. And so I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. I am on that journey. I know that you mentioned it was, it's been a few years. I am so sorry too. What, uh, what has that experience taught you? How are you different? after that experience? I feel like um, after that experience of losing, you know, I, it's been, it's hard, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think it's more of a question for yourself, sissy. May I call you sissy? Sorry. Of course, yeah. In the most loving, positive way ever, you know, sissy. Um, As in like sister, family, and I say that to you because um, it's hard and it takes time. And um, I don't know. I don't know how you heal from losing a mom when you're a queer child and you you had a good mom. I'm assuming I did. I had a good relationship with my mom. Yeah. 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 So it's gonna. I don't think you'll ever completely heal from it. And I think that's what I had to come to terms with personally was yeah. realizing like. This is not something that you heal from. Right. This is something that I carry with me. Right. So this is something that I make the decision to put it in my backpack and I will carry it with me always, the weight of what that is. And there's going to be moments where it's going to come out and there's going to be moments where it's going to inspire me. It's going to help me and it's going to love on me. And there's going to be moments where it's going to be the reason that I just break down and cry. And that's okay because I, because I respect that person and that love so much, I'm making the conscious decision to carry that on my back for the rest of my existence. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds dead accurate. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. You're welcome. That's... I right. love you. I'm I so love... sorry. No. Thank you so much. I love you back. I this has been such a blessing to have this conversation. I am so appreciative of you to take this time. I'm so excited for all the things that you're working on. We're here is coming up. Big Mama is coming I out. Know. And it's exciting. Yeah, back in New York, uh, early November, November third or fourth. Uh, November third at three dollar bill. I will be doing Ginger Von Snaps show. Um, yeah. Trans enough at three dollar bill. I'm mm-hmm. excited. I will be there in the audience. Okay. I'm in Brooklyn, baby. I am from, I've never performed in Brooklyn. I'm really excited about it. Um, and you know, I'm gonna bring they don't they don't know costumes like mama's gonna bring costumes. I'm gonna have to bring <laughs> some costumes to Brooklyn, honey. Yeah, seriously. The, Your costumes are amazing, especially on We're Here. The the production value of that mm-hmm. fucking insane what they do i love that yeah well i'll make sure i bring you something special baby and you take care of yourself and what was your mama's name if i may ask it's nancy nancy yeah nancy and Yorika. i'm sure they're looking at us right now and i just want to say i love you so much and i love nancy too and thank you for your time today thank you so much Eureka. yeah is- you have a beautiful rest of your time in new york i hope i see you before i leave Maybe yeah. tonight. Yeah, what okay, do you Sean. 
Uh, where are we? Where are we trying? Oh, I, we might end up at Rosemont again. Oh, fun. Okay. Yeah, for for the after mom. So if you're around. Very fun. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be in Brooklyn for a little bit. So definitely. Okay. I love you. I'll see you around. Love you. That's a wrap on my conversation with Eureka. What a truly genuine and warm human being. I've always been a fan of Eureka, but after getting to spend time with her here on the podcast and out and about in New York City, I love her even more. I am a fan for life. Be sure to catch her at Trans Enough at $3 Bill right here in Brooklyn on November 4th. You can follow Eureka on Instagram at Eureka O'Hara to keep up with all of the incredible work that she's doing. I am at Sean L. Show on Instagram and Twitter. And for the After Hours Twitter, you can follow at SLS underscore After Hours. Thank you all so much for listening. I know it's been a long hiatus, but it is what was needed. I'm so glad to be back. Stay tuned for another new episode next week. Bye-bye.